What is good? Welcome back to episode 10 of Getting Down with Chris Brown. Bam, bam, bam. So after spending uh, 1,209,600 seconds locked up in solitary confinement, I want to share with you what it feels like being back on the outside world. As a lot has changed and evolved, so I want to, you know, be open and talk about some of the struggles I have faced. Now, as you already know, it was only two weeks, okay? So I can't really whinge at all, to be fair. It was the Sheraton Hotel, all meals were provided, internet, cable, TV, it had the works. Now, so yeah, I, I can just say that, no, no more whinging or talking shit, but uh, what I will say next time, I'm going to say I'm a smoker so I can go out and get some fresh air a couple of times per day. But besides that, it's not too bad, really. The thing is, though, since I was losing it a bit, like not being able to interact with people besides like Zoom calls or phone calls, it made me think how much going into like solitary confinement in, in prison how much that must fuck with your head, with people's heads, like with your, just your, your, your thinking, your emotions and your mindset. Like, yeah, it must like stuff people up quite a bit. So as I was having, having a little think about this, you know, poor Takashi 69 he had to go away for 18 months or whatever, you know, but really people going into solitary confinement for like months on end, that would fucking be crazy. And yeah, as I was thinking about this, it actually reminded me about a, uh, one of the weirdest job interviews I have ever had in my entire life. Okay, so a bit of backstory. Back in 2016, I had finished my scholarship where I was on exchange studying at the engineering university in Madrid in Spain. After that, I went back to Australia and then to Thailand for a bit with a mate for some training. And then uh, as I was doing that, I was organizing with one of my mates' buckets to take his position in, uh, in their London house, okay? He, buckets was coming back to Australia for, I think, a month or two months. Um, so we, we were talking about that. And j- just an FYI, they call him Buckets since he's never missed a catch in cricket in his life. So it might sound like an odd name, but a bit of a, a local legend in, in the cricket game. So anyway, Buckets went back to Australia for a while, and I took his room in, uh, in the Wimbledon house in, in, in uh, South East London with my mates from back home. We were inf- uh, infamously known as the Dons of Wimbledon, known for keeping all the young, wealthy families in Wimbledon up until the early mornings due to the, uh, the party schedule. Okay, It's not really a party town compared to uh, you know, the other parts of London. But anyway, I slotted in for in his. I took his bedroom, and I also slotted in for the company him. Uh, he was working for, and also one of our other mates, Miami Mickey. He was working for them too. So it was a construction and landscaping business. So it was perfect. Just filling a gap, and I didn't even have to do any any job hunting. Got to live in London uh, and working with my mates, living with my mates. Sounds gold to me. Well, 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 that pretty much flew by. It, you know, it was like between a month and, and two months cruising around London, doing different, uh, you know, construction and landscaping projects with the boys. 
And um, and soon enough, buckets. He was back from his his uh, vacation in back in Sydney. Okay, so he he came back. He took his work position back, and it w- wasn't like a large company, so like th- there wasn't enough room. So you know, uh, he went back and done his thing. So I was back to looking for what I wanted to do to do for work. I thought I was just gonna you know get another job in the construction sector. However, the thing was, at that time, for some reason, we kept seeing advertisements at bus stops, on the side of buildings, on the side of buses, and everywhere we went, and they were even popping up on the internet for some reason, and it was uh, advertising how London were in need of a lot more prison officers. So what we done, we uh, you know, you know, had to look look, uh, look up the different prisons and that and. I don't know, for some reason that, that's always quite, you know, exciting and uh, intriguing about that type of work. So I looked it up and they needed prison officers for the famous Wormwood Scrubs Prison. And it was in Hammersmith and the Fulham area. Now that's only 20 minutes drive from where we all lived in, in Wimbledon, in, in the Wimbledon house. So in my eyes, this was getting better and better. Like if you know London at all, wherever you want to go, it seems like it just seems to always take an hour minimum wherever you want to go, especially coming from Southeast London. Like you put in the maps, you want to go here, an hour, like another place, the complete opposite direction doesn't look too far away, but it always seems to take an hour. So then when I realized that if I got that job at uh, Wormwood Scrubs Prison, it was, it was only 20 minutes drive. So that would be hectic. So, if you yeah, if you haven't even heard of Wormwood Scrubs, it's one of the most famous prisons in England. It's hurled different outstanding blokes in in life, such as Charles Bronson. You've probably heard of him. He's uh, known as Britain's most violent prisoner. He got played uh, by Tom Brady in the movie Bronson. Okay, and they've even housed the very famous guitarist <coughs> from the Rolling Stones, Keith Richard. Yes, you probably know him, the famous guitarist who was known for snorting his deceased father's ashes laced with a bit of booger sugar. And like, he's known for, for being fucking quite reckless, staying up for nine days in a row on the bandar and doing crazy shit. He, he's just a unit. But anyway, um, Wormwood Scrubs, they've housed people like that. So I think it's the most famous prison in, in England. So anyway, we looked up the requirements for this this screw, this job position. So firstly, you had to be at least 18-year-olds, 18-year-old, tick. Uh, You had to be a British citizen, tick, since I have my dual citizen from my dad. And thirdly, be reasonably fit and have good eyesight. Fucking tick, boom. So they were advertising this job as... Uh, they made it sound very, you know, very inspirational, like making a difference every day, a chance to be a role model, negotiator, educator, and a life changer. This sound, this started to sound like a dope job compared to being on construction sites in the fucking miserable London weather. I even remember to, like talking to someone and they were telling me how, you know, you get paid great money just to sit and watch movies on the iPad a lot of the time, you know. It was sounding like like I hit the jackpot. Watching Netflix, getting paid about thirty thousand quid for a you know for the thirty nine hour week for for the year, 
and like telling inmates to stop making weapons out of long socks and bars of soap. I think that was, it was sounding like a dope job. Okay. So I filled out the application with the Ministry of Justice and soon enough, they sent me the link to complete an online prison officer selection test. No worries. I sat the tests. It was quite easy. It, was, it, was, it wasn't even like a test. It was more like a questionnaire. The next thing was when I received an email back from the Ministry of Justice telling me how they had reviewed my application and I received an invitation to attend what they call RAD, the Recruitment Assessment Day. How exciting. Now, I conducted a pre-employment screening test. I got sent a bunch of paperwork regarding the selection process, had a flick through, and uh, and two weeks later, I was sent. I was on the bus heading to HM Prison Downview, which which th- that's in Siri. I think it was about an hour away again. So that is where they would conduct the the recruitment assessment day. So beforehand, they'd sent me a blue booklet and expected me to do like similar pre-study, like. Kind of, kind of like the RTA, uh, the Roads and Traffic Authority, expects young 16-year-olds to do before sitting for your learner plates test to drive a car. Hell nah. You don't need to do that shit, that pre-study. Nobody studies for their L's. When learning to drive a car, you learn when you start driving the car. When learning to swim, you, you learn when you jump in the water and start swimming. Becoming a prison guard, you learn when you experience your first riot. It's just how the world works. So I turned up to Her Majesty's prison downview. Someone came and greeted me as I arrived and took me to a room with the other applicants. <coughs> I think they're about 15 or so. And they told us how this would take about five hours. Five hours, no, no free snacks were provided, I, I can tell you that. And uh, also they were quite clear on they didn't want us drinking caffeine since we had a fitness test. So I started to wonder how intense this fitness test is going to be. Okay, so we started the briefing. They answered the questions everyone had, you know, just the normal thing. We got given lockers for all our belongings since we couldn't bring any mobile phones or anything through. And then we headed in inside the, the prison okay so walking through we could see we could see through different doors and windows like obviously bars and cut off but we could see the other inmates that they were like you know conducting different activities different workshops gardening unfortunately we were too far away so we weren't able to start mean mugging them and showing them who their new daddy's gonna be but anyway we, we all rolled through and then we we had to sit individually and do an interview, which, which took about 20 minutes. Next, we all strolled through and uh, went through to like the gym area for... The, basically, the, the second thing was a fitness test. Now, the gym area, that was decked out. They had football fields, a full basketball court, a large gym and like weight area, which was, which was like c- commercial. It, it was like commercial... That, it was that good, like better than your local gym. I was quite impressed. So the first thing we done, we had to start off with a beep test. I'm sure everyone knows the beep test. It's that fucking 20 meter shuttle run that uh, everyone used to hate at primary school. I don't know. I used to have to do it with football. And uh, I, for some reason, I really enjoyed doing it. So I was quite excited. 
Uh, but it turns out that we only had to get to level four. Now, level four is very slow. That's like, you know, you're, you're just warming up at level four. So I thought it was a bit of a joke. But it turned out that two two contestants or two people, two applicants, they didn't even make it to level four. They were overweight and they, I, th- I thought they were taking a piss for a bit because it's really not that fast. And then the poor lady, she started to cry, which was sad, but hopefully it was a bit of a wake-up call to get in shape, eh? Okay, so we then had to try on the ride gear, okay? And I thought that was pretty badass. And uh, so we put the right gear on. We had to do a test where we where we where I hold the right shield out from the shoulders, like with your elbows extended for sixty seconds. So that was that was pretty easy. If, you know, I think everyone got through that super easy. And then we finished with a number of push ups, squats, and that was it. To be honest, it obviously doesn't take too much to become a screw. Like, it's probably the same with the police force, with everything. Who knows? But like, yeah, I, I was, I thought it was a bit of a joke how easy the fitness test was for that. <clears throat> and let me tell you, some of the other applicants, they were like big fellas or big, big ladies. Okay, so next thing, we got changed out, out of our fitness clothes. Nobody dropped the soap. And then we all went into the rooms and conducted a, numer- a numeracy tests which was just basic maths, counting, addition, subtraction, nothing too too difficult. Next thing was a 30-minute language test, which was reading and comprehending information, checking for errors, applying rules, reporting information, and standard writing, you know? Just, you know, basic stuff you learn at high school. Okay, so the next thing was the biggest wig out and something I definitely was not expecting. Okay, when you knew we had to do role play simulations, obviously, you know, I I was expecting that. Uh, So what they said, they said we had three 10-minute role play simulations and they were going to be based on situations that could be faced as a prison officer. I was like, no worries, that should, should be standard. So they said that we just had to act like we would in real life, be yourself, and that we'd be assessed on seven interpersonal skills. These were number one, nonverbal communication, just uh, such as maintaining eye contact, nodding to show understanding, and using hand gestures. Number two, showing understanding, which was demonstrating uh, you know, that we understood the situation, showing empathy where appropriate. <clears throat> and like more importantly, listening to their concern and their problems. Okay. Number three, suspending judgment. This meant not making any inappropriate interruptions and suspending uh, our judgment before, you know, working out what the right course of action would be to take. So, you know, I was starting to work out what this kind of role play is going to be. Okay. Number four was assertiveness which means like holding our own stance, but also respecting the, the role player, the, the people that were playing in the simulation. And they said not to be too aggressive or give, give way to their demands or pressure. <coughs> Number five was respecting others, quite standard. Number six, acting with integrity, uh, just challenging unacceptable behavior. And then lastly, it was number seven, exploring and clarifying, trying to understand their problems and assist in solving them. 
Okay, every that that all seems pretty like straightforward to me. Well, it turned out that in that fucking blue booklet that they sent me, the uh, way they they expected me to do pre-study, it had exactly what the best things to do in this role-play simulation. So that was a little bit of a stitch up. They they said in this you know simulation we just had to be ourselves. So I just presumed that uh, you know if I show integrity, I show I'm ethical and trustworthy, be myself, then I'd have no problems. Well, I was gonna, I was about to get a bit of a wake up call. <coughs> okay, so the first role play simulation, they, because uh, a few go at once, so they say, but we can't be anywhere near the rest of the the applicants. So they just say, stand at the door, and then when you hear the bell. I'll just walk in, close the door, and and just be yourself. Okay, I I, I get it. it. It can't be too complex. So I'm standing there. Then we hear ding ding. I walk to in and I and close the door. And there's this large black lady sitting at a table with her head down, with her like uh, hands over the back of her head. So I'm like, you know, what is going on here? I walk over and I, I expect her to start talking. But she didn't move. So I said, hello. <laughs> and she didn't say anything. So I'm like, uh, excuse me. And then suddenly she throws her head up in the air and starts yelling and screaming, which scared the fucking shit out of me. And I was trying not to laugh. Uh, obviously, knowing it's a simulation, you're like, it was, uh, I was not expecting that. And then she just starts yelling, going crazy, saying that one of the other inmates was uh, being a bitch to her. Uh, you know, they took her food and she was going off. She was going ape shit. She would keep going from being super crazy and, and uh, yelling. And then suddenly she'd put her, like, stop talking. And then she'd go back to, and put her hands over her head. And then like, just make no communication. I was quite surprised. The acting was very, very good. I'm like, this This acting seems too good to be from an actor. This, surely, these are the inmates. So, but yeah, I was like, fuck, I should have put more effort into that study. You know, the study of the blue booklet. I didn't know whether to be like nice and comforting or tell her to stop whining and stop being a little bitch. I would ask her what her issues are and then she would start yelling at me and say I don't listen and uh, yeah, I don't know. It was just quite quite entertaining. It, it caught me off guard because like you, when someone's like yelling at you, you, you <laughs> I don't know. It was, it was just a little bit, it, it got me off guard, definitely. Okay, so that, that went for 10 minutes. After that, you, you, leave, you leave the room, go outside, and go on to the next one. But you can't be talking to anybody else at this time. Okay, so I'm standing at the front, front of the door. Ding, ding, the bell goes off. I walk inside and shut the door. This time, it was a skinny, white guy with, with long, curly brown hair. And he looks quite artistic. Someone that you would expect from playing, playing the, the, the guitar in Katoomba Street or something. So from first glance, he looked like a top bloke. When you just see him, he looks like a nice guy. I was definitely hoping that he was going to be nicer than the first lady. But from the moment I walked in, he starts yapping off, talking shit to me straight away, trying, trying to make me react, obviously. He was being like, what are you doing here? You don't look like a screw. You think I'm going to listen to you? And just like, but this was like nonstop in, in this British accent, just yapping off like a fucking dog. 
It was super entertaining since he just kept going on and he would uh, he would do the same thing. He'd be yapping off and then suddenly stop talking and then I'd try and have this conversation with him and then he'd just start yapping like when I start talking again. So yeah, it, it, was, <laughs> it was, it's funny, but it goes on for like 10 minutes and what they do, they don't really give you instructions and so I don't know. I, it's not like you, I was going in there and I knew which, you know, what I was trying to achieve. It's just like going there and, uh, you know, be, I guess be a prison guard, be a screw and try and sort their shit out. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> they just want to see, you know, how, how we would react, how do we would behave, uh, behave, communicate, make eye contact, be assertive, but not over the top, show understanding and so on. But after 10 minutes of this little white dude yapping like a dog in this nonsense conversation, I was quite confused with this young crazy fella. But anyway, uh, 10 minutes later, <coughs> I was on to my last simulation, okay? Standing at the next door again, ding, ding. I walk inside, shut the door, and, and I walk in. It's this guy, he looked like the rapper Kendrick Lamar with the exact same hair. Uh, he just looked very similar, so as I close the door, he stood up straight away and then he like kind of does hand gestures telling me to like rush over there as soon as I make eye contact with him. He's like pretending that he's got a secret. But he, he didn't have the accent like Kendrick Lamar. He had the, 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 the British, the London accent. Hey fam, like... Uh, <laughs> I just, he, was like, he was like telling me in the, in, the, in the Pommy accent like that I got a... that he had a secret. Hey fam, I need to tell you something, but you gotta swear you won't say nothing, yeah? We gotta take the boss man down. And like, I'm like, who the fuck is this? <laughs> what is going on? So they, they were like three contestants, totally different. And he, he was telling me that he's gonna be running the show soon. And he, he just kept kept going off as if he's like a mad gangster. He, he wanted to take this fucking, the, the, the prison big dog out. And um, then he was like talking shit, being like, okay, so we got to get drugs in there and weapons. And, um, and he was saying how he would send large amounts of money to my house. Unfortunately, after I gave him the, win- win- uh, the Wimbledon address, no money ever turned up. Nah, but literally after 10 minutes, he was just like, try- uh, I guess, trying to uh, persuade me to do-, to do bad shit. But I was good. I was acting like a screw for, for 10 minutes. I told him, no, there'll be none of that. And you're going into solitary confinement for the next three months. <laughs> but uh, yeah, having, having to act like a screw for 30 minutes, it was exhausting. Because these people fucking, they, they had no chill. I don't know how, how school teachers do like fucking do shit like that all day, putting up with people like that. Especially being a screw would be fucking way worse, obviously. Like, I'm like, they, these inmates, they need to smoke some marijuana, some G-bar, relax, take some CBD drops or anything. But uh, after that, 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 that was super fun. It was super fun doing the, um, the simulations. Um, definitely not what I was expecting. And I did wish that I'd fucking done a bit more study, even though they just said you had to act like act yourself. So after that, we, uh, we had a debrief together, got told we'll get notified in the, in the coming weeks. They answered our questions. Any, anyway, um, so I left there. I think that was on the Friday. And then 
I'd been hooked up to work with one of my mates in in Battersea the following week. But uh, like doing that, that 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 was cool. But I was still like excited to find out if I got selected. Like who, who knows what that would be like. So two weeks later, I rec- uh, received an email. It, I've still got it now. It said, Dear Christopher, when you attended your recruitment assessment day, you were unfortunately unsuccessful by one or two marks. No mames. We would like you to come and do a development if you wish to work in London. If not, we would like to offer you a position at HM, uh, Her Majesty's Prison, Manchester. Oh, hell no, I ain't doing that shit. I'm cool with wearing thermals to work in the London weather. So, (laughs) that was funny. It it was a badass experience. But I guess takeaways of this story include, number one, applying... You should apply for that job in England. If you want to experience uh, an entertaining day trying on riot gear and having weird encounters who they pretend are actors, which I think were 100% inmates. Definitely. Number two, don't be scared to apply for a job. Nothing bad happens. Number three, do your research, study and uh, preparation before attending the interview, which I 100% learn. And number four, when one door closes, another door always opens. The construction job that uh, I ended up working with uh, with my mate Moo in London, it uh, ended up being a project for one of the renowned architects in London and the, the Netherlands, he's, he's quite large, named Max Broby, Broby DNA, and that was building his personal terrace apartment, which ended up being a fucking dope project. So anyway, thanks for listening. Have a good one. Peace.